Welcome to Let's Find Waldo with Mark Dowling. My name is Mark Dowling, and this is Let's Find Waldo with Mark Dowling. I'd like to share with you an inspirational quote that I read recently, and it goes like this. Enlightenment is the mind that is open to anything but attached to nothing. That is freedom. No values, no resentment, no grudges. Not carrying the past along with you. Not carrying memories from the past that are hurtful and shameful and embarrassing. Just let all that go, and you are living in enlightenment, and you are free for everything. Gary Busey said that, and today I'm going to do exactly that. I'm going to let go of something that I find to be shameful and embarrassing, and that is a rap song that I recorded when I was 15. So I'm going to play that song for you in just a second. I don't think it needs much backstory. It's not like it's Imagine by John Lennon. Or Maybe I'm Amazed by Paul McCartney. Or What is Life by George Harrison. Or something that Ringo sang. What I will tell you is that the beat I used in this song was downloaded off of LimeWire, which was a peer-to-peer file-sharing service similar to Napster. But I never used Napster uh, because I tend to agree with everything that Lars Ulrich says. Ooh, let's look up a Lars Ulrich quote. Real time. Oh, here we go. Basically, any idiot with a computer can post something on the internet, and within 15 minutes later, it's a half-truth that's circulated around the world. It's a pretty frightening instrument. Well, Lars, you know what I find to be a frightening instrument? The drums. They're loud. They're cumbersome. You know what? I take it back. I don't agree with everything that Lars Ulrich says. But look, I'm going to play this song for you right now. And what else should you know? Oh, my rap name was MCMD. And the name of the song is Mad Classy. So without any further, as Shakespeare would say, ado, here is Mad Classy by MCMD. Shepard. Oh shit, that was a stretch. Freddie Prince Jr. was in summer catch. Drink high life, it's the champagne of beers. I'll take my pants off while your girlfriend steers. I've got time for one last stanza. Remember, I'm the boss, like my name is Tony Danza. Yep. Okay, so a lot to unpack there. Apparently, I was obsessed with stealing people's girlfriends. Uh, I thought it would be best if I just got the opinion of an actual rapper, so I reached out to Steve Genty, who's a fantastic freestyle rapper, and I asked him if he would give me some feedback. I told him not to sugarcoat it, 
not to pull any punches or worry about hurting my feelings, and he jumped at that opportunity. So here are Steve's thoughts on that song you just heard. See, man, I'm not going to lie. You, you feel me? Like, I've definitely heard, like, more Dookie songs than that, you know what I'm saying? Um, I thought it was all right. Like, I could, I could fuck with that. Like, if I was playing, like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater and I heard that shit while I was doing, like, a MIG Twist 5000, I wouldn't be mad with that in the background. You know what I'm saying? Maybe on, like, an NBA Live. Uh, you was on beat. So that's fire. Like most most people, they be off beat, and that's not cool. So shout out you being on beat. Shout out the references. I thought the references hit hard. You know what I'm saying? And even though when it, when there was corny punchlines, I thought they were enjoyable. They were cringy, yes, but cringy like in a good way, like a middle school cringe. You dig? Or a British show type cringe. You feel me? Um, I say you should keep spitting. If it's me, I think you should go back in the booth. Because uh, there's, there's potential, you know what I'm saying? Because you was young when you did this. Now, you know what I mean? You got like a Rolodex of references and wisdom. So definitely go out there. I'm going to play this again, just for me. Not the homies. Just, this is just for Steve now. Well, thanks, Steve, for saying all those nice things. I would love to get back in the booth. After all these years, I think you're right. It is time for MCMD to make a comeback. Because anytime an artist has made a comeback, it's always been great. I also feel like a huge weight has been lifted off of my shoulders by releasing that song out into the world. I don't know that I've reached the full enlightenment that Gary Busey was talking about, but I've definitely made my first step in my journey. Or maybe I shouldn't live my life by the quote. Maybe it's completely meaningless and it's just the ramblings of a lunatic with a devastating brain injury. Not that there's anything wrong with brain injuries. Just because somebody's incoherent doesn't mean that they don't have something to say. Think about that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll look for Waldo. See you in a bit. Welcome back. We are referencing the Where's Waldo 30th Anniversary Edition book, ISBN number 978-0-7636-9579-8. Today we're looking for Waldo at a museum, and he's left us a little message to help us get started. Howdy do, Waldo scholars. As you know, I love to learn, so it's great going to museums. Today I found out about tickling the toes of a man in the stocks, how to fire a catapult, and how to make a chariot work. Now that's learning. Thanks, Waldo. So this museum has two levels. There's the ground level, which is where most people have decided to spend their day. That's where all the exhibits are, different sorts of artifacts and displays are happening down there. At the top of the page, which would be the back of the museum, there is a wall. And up against that wall is the upper level, which is sort of a long, narrow, elevated walkway, and that hangs just a little bit over the ground level, and it's supported by several columns that are probably made of stone, and there's also a really ornate railing that goes along the whole thing that also appears to be made of stone, and that stretches across the entire scene. The wall that that's up against is where all the art is, both on the lower level and the upper level. There are a bunch of different types of pictures, paintings, some could be photographs. You know, it's hard to tell because this is an illustrated picture, so I can't tell 
which of the artwork is paintings and which is photographs. So I think I'm gonna make the executive decision right now and just say that they are all paintings. That way we avoid any sort of confusion. Now the wall that those paintings are hanging on is this beautiful shade of yellow, sort of this pale yellow. I think we give too much credit to the artist who puts paint on the canvas and not enough credit to the contractor who puts paint on the walls. Because their decision of what shade to paint those walls could make or break an exhibit. And in this case, the person who painted these walls has done a bang up job because this shade is really making the art pop. And I just wanna make sure that they get the recognition that they deserve. So let's take a look at the paintings. I don't want to alarm you, but some of these paintings are interacting with each other, and some of them are interacting with the guests who are looking at them. But don't be scared, because I don't think that this is a haunted museum. I think this is more of a high-tech animatronic museum experience, so everybody here is having a great time. No ghosts in this museum. The first painting we have is on the upper level, that's in the top right corner of the right page, and that's a painting of a medieval man. He's wearing a chrome helmet and a chainmail hood. He has his hands up, his thumbs are to his temples, and he's sticking his tongue out, making a silly face. Now in front of the painting, in real life, there is a tour guide who has his back turned to that painting and he's pointing at it with a stick. He's giving a tour to a bunch of little kids and all the little kids are laughing at that painting because it's clearly mocking the tour guide. To the left of that is a painting of a king and a queen, probably of the same era, and that king is looking over in the direction of that medieval man and he's laughing as well. The queen is not happy with that. She doesn't want the king to encourage that sort of behavior. The frame that that picture's in is really nice. It sort of has a similar theme to the frame that was on the back of the door in Monica and Rachel's apartment from the show Friends. I almost like the frame more than I like the painting. Sometimes I go to museums just to look at the frames. Have you seen, by the way, the frame that's around Starry Night? It is absolutely breathtaking when you see it in person. The next painting that we have to the left of the King and the Queen is just of a generic man. There's nothing too fascinating about this painting. He is wearing a short sleeve white Henley and there's a light blue background. It's almost as if this was like a Twilight Zone sort of situation, like this was just a museum goer and then he got sucked into the painting where he now has to exist and watch people walk back and forth. To the left of that is a series of paintings. We love a good series of paintings because it kind of tells a story. This is a set of four, and the story that it tells is that of a shirtless, muscular man flexing his left bicep. So we'll start with the first picture on the left. We'll go left to right, like American text, not right to left, like Hebrew text. And the first picture that we have is of this man getting ready to flex. And it's from his abs up, so you can see his abs, his pecs, and his, and his strong arms. This guy's no stranger to the gym. 
The picture next to that is the man flexing. And we can see that his bicep is bulging a little bit, and he's very proud of this. The third picture, he's got a worried look at his face, and he's looking down at his bicep, and it's popping. In the fourth and final picture, he is panicking. There are sweat droplets coming out of his head because his bicep has burst and it's now drooping down. So I think the lesson here is don't get cocky. If you look good and you know you look good, there's no reason to flaunt it. Be humble. Be like me. I'm humble. I'm the best at being humble. I'm so good at being humble. There's nobody that even compares. You might as well not even try because nobody's going to be more humble than I am. The next painting that we have is a little bit higher on the wall. And this is a painting of a woman from her neck up. She has pretty short hair. It just goes a little bit below her chin. She's wearing a white sun hat, has a pearl necklace on, and we can make out a little bit of her shoulder so we can see that she's wearing a light blue frilly dress or blouse perhaps. And this woman has a concerned look on her face and she's concerned because she's looking to her right at the next painting, which is of a Revolutionary War era man riding his horse. And he and the horse are both wearing Lone Ranger masks. And we can see the moon in the background behind him. But he is reaching beyond the frame that he's in. He's pointing at these two men who are very scared. They have their hands up in the air. And well, I don't know if he's... It looks almost as if he might be tickling one of these men. It's a very straight-armed point. So maybe he's warning them. Maybe he's warning them that he's going to tickle them. But they seem like they're not being tickled. You ever meet someone who's not ticklish? Like, what a psychopath they are. I saw a TV show once about Law & Order. It might have been Law & Order. But there was a woman and... She was in the interrogation room, and the detective yawned, and the woman didn't yawn, and that's how they caught her. Because they were like, she doesn't show empathy, so she's a sociopath, and she's the one who committed this crime. So it's sort of the same thing. The next painting that we have is tall and skinny, so probably like an 11 by 17 print. And that's a painting of an older woman, she has very tall gray hair, sort of like a beehive hairstyle. She's wearing red lipstick and red earrings. She has a blue dress or blouse on. We can't tell because that's cut off. And there are birds that are building a nest in her hair. But she doesn't seem concerned at all by this. She seems rather pleased with it. So maybe their little talons are giving her like a scalp massage or something. I personally would shoo a bird away if it got near my head. I don't like birds. I don't trust birds. They're uh, technically dinosaurs, which is scary. They have hollow bones, which is like, what are you keeping inside of your bones that you need them to be hollow? Some of them can talk. Um, call me old-fashioned, but I don't think animals should be mimicking human behavior. The next painting that we have is of a rich family. There's a mother, a daughter, and a man who is wearing a tuxedo sort of thing. And tuxedos are weird because you can never tell if the person wearing them 
is a rich person or if they're the butler of the rich person. It's weird that we don't differentiate between that, but in this photo, the man appears to be a... Oh. Okay. Sorry, we have an Amber alert. Uh, that's my friend Amber alerting me that a child is missing. Uh, the guy with the tuxedo, he appears to be a father figure, so I get... Well, though, a butler could be a father figure, right? A la... Bruce Wayne and Batman. Uh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. I think you're probably old enough to know that, but if not, I'm sorry that the, maybe that's what the Amber Alert was about. It's uh, that I was going to spill the beans. Maybe that wasn't an Amber Alert. Maybe that was a spoiler alert. Who knows? That rich family is laughing at the next picture, which is a painting of a clown. And this is just a circus clown. He has spiky orange hair, which is similar to the lead singer of The Offspring. He has a painted white face, red nose, red lips, and red ears. I've never seen a clown paint their ears, but this one has. And he's wearing a flower on his lapel that's squirting water out of the picture onto a museum goer that's walking by. And everybody's very amused by that, as they should be. Next, we have another set of paintings, but unlike the set we saw earlier that told the story of a muscle man flexing, this one does not tell a story. This instead is two separate paintings that are hanging side by side. And when you look at them together, it makes up one scene. And that scene is two knights having a sword fight. The knight that's in the painting on the left is wearing full armor and he's got the helmet and the mask and he appears to be on the defensive side. He's blocking a strike from the knight that's in the right picture. And that knight is wearing armor, but he's not wearing a helmet with a mask. Next, we have a painting of an older couple, a man and a woman. The man has a mustache. And they look very generic. I wonder if they're the parents of the man we saw earlier in the White Henley who was Twilight Zoned into the painting. I'm not sure. We have one more painting that's on this upper level. We're all the way at the edge of the left page. This is a painting of an Elizabethan era man. He's wearing that white frilly thing around his neck that they wear. He has short brown hair. There's a scowl on his face, but he's also kind of smirking, and he's got a little bit of scruff on his chin. So I'm going to say this guy is a musician of some sort. He definitely ran around with, like, Shakespeare and that crew back in the day. He's wearing sort of what looks like a denim vest. It's not denim, but it sort of looks like that. And there's a striped shirt underneath. So I'm going to say he's like the, the forefather of grunge. He definitely influenced Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. Moving down the left side of the page to the lower level, we see the first painting, which is of a farm landscape. It's got these beautiful rolling green hills and a little barn in the corner. And that painting's being looked at by a man and a woman. The man is wearing this grayish blue suit, great color. 
If I were to need a suit, that's probably the color I would ask for. Go to Men's Warehouse and say, do you have this color? And they say, you're going to like the way you look. Do you think they have to say that to every customer? Like they have to casually slip it into conversation? Part of their job description? It's like if you went to McDonald's and you're ordering, and they're like, I'm loving it. They should do, Men's Warehouse and McDonald's should do a cross-promotion so they, just for fun, and then they can combine slogans and say, I'm going to love the way you look. So the man is holding hands with a woman. She's wearing a teal sweater, a red pencil skirt that really accentuates her curves. I'm sorry, but it does. And he has, the man has a sheet of paper that he's holding behind his back. So the woman doesn't know that he has this sheet of paper. And I don't know what it is. It's blank. So it probably has something on the other side. Gee, I hope it's not a subpoena. And this, this man is a process server, and he's doing the long con. And he's been dating this woman just so he can confirm her identity and serve her with this paper. Or maybe he's a private detective, and this is a glossy photo of her husband cheating on her. Or maybe it's something happy. Maybe this is a boyfriend and a girlfriend, and he's going to propose to her, but he can't afford an engagement ring, so he just printed out a picture of one instead. Moving over to the right, we have a painting of a dog, and this is a very cute dog. It's gray. It has a little bit of a smile, and everybody is really fascinated by this picture. They're all rushing over from all areas of the museum and sort of piling up in front of this picture. So it's probably a famous artist or a famous dog. I don't recognize the dog. I'll tell you that. I don't know who could have painted this. Maybe Van Gogh? I, I don't know if he's known for painting animals, but I know he did Starry Night. I know he did the French Cafe that I did a puzzle of. Very proud of, of the puzzle. It was like a thousand pieces, no big deal. Next up, we have another set of paintings. We have two oval-shaped paintings stacked on top of each other. So oval frames, that's got to be a custom, a custom order. Normally, you have squares, you have rectangles. These ones are oval. This set is two pictures of one boat. And in the first picture, which is on the top, we see a boat that's sailing on the ocean. The second picture, which is below that, we see that same boat sinking in the ocean. So tragedy has struck this boat, but it doesn't look like there's anybody on board. So that's a relief. To the right of that is a painting of two people who are upside down. So I don't know if it was painted this way intentionally, or if some museum worker hung the picture upside down. But there are two people who are mimicking that, that painting by doing handstands in front of it. So maybe they switched the, the painting. There's no signs that say, do not touch. I would expect to see a sign of a stick figure who is touching something and then a Ghostbusters thing through that stick figure. That's how influential that movie is, by the way, is everybody calls that red circle with the line, the Ghostbusters thing. 
So shout out to the ladies who made that movie because it was also just a really seminal film in my adulthood. To the right, we have another oval painting. So again, custom frame here. And this painting is also of a sailboat that's on the ocean. This boat is a little bit bigger and it has more sails. So I think this is safe. I don't think there's any chance of this boat capsizing. So that's a relief. Crossing over the middle of the page, we have a painting of a young man wearing one of those triangle rice hats, like the character Raiden in the Mortal Kombat games. Raiden, of course, the god of thunder. He had this one finisher that was my favorite where he would rip the lungs out of somebody's body through their back and then he would electrify them by having lightning come down from the skies above and he would stick those lungs into the person's head and their head would explode. Fatality. The next painting is of a Renaissance era European man. He has a mustache, he has long hair. He's wearing a yellow hat with a red feather in it. And he appears to be making eyes at this woman who's looking at the painting. And she is just thrilled by this. This woman is head over heels for this painting. The man she's with is not happy. He has his hands balled into fists and a grimace on his face like he's going to fight the painting. He's wearing a green blazer, which makes me think that maybe he just won a golf tournament or something. He spent the morning shooting the game of his life and he just wanted to celebrate by having an afternoon at the museum, he did not expect the woman that he's with to fall in love with a painting, nor should he have. The next painting we have is a circular painting, and this is of a gentleman who looks like a young M. Night Chalamet. I wanna break away from the paintings for one quick second and talk about a couple of these columns, because right in front of that painting, one of the columns is beginning to topple over because a man is leaning on it. And all of these columns are built using four separate pieces, which is a really dumb way to build a column. You want it to be one solid piece. That would give you the most support. Now, the next column over to the left is being climbed by several children, one of whom has gotten very high up on that column. And there are parents and museum workers who are trying to get those kids off of that column. Okay, back to the paintings. We only have a couple more of these and then we can move on to the exhibits. But the first painting th uh, that's coming up after I'm saying this sentence now is of a knight in shining armor and he's watching a television set and holding a radio in his hand. So this is, this is like a modern painting that's supposed to be social commentary, I guess. I'd say maybe a Banksy because it's overrated. If you're a frequent listener to this show, you'll know my beef with Banksy. Okay, I don't need to bring this up again. The next painting that we have is of a pilgrim who's smoking a pipe. And this is one of those interactive paintings because the smoke is coming from out of the pipe into the air around the painting. And everybody is coughing. One woman has a tissue and she's wiping her eyes. So this is a very inconsiderate painting. He hasn't gotten the word that there's no smoking indoors anymore. There's a painting of a woman next to that and she's holding her nose. So she doesn't like the smell of the smoke either. And she has a really pretty red flower in her hair. Finally, we're at the last painting on the lower level. We're all the way at the right edge of the page. And this is a painting of a green fish underwater 
the water is seeping out of the painting, dripping down the wall, and forming a puddle on the floor. What do you think constitutes a puddle? Like, where do you draw the line between, oh, there's water on the floor, and oh, there's a puddle on the floor? How many drops? Take your answer and keep it to yourself because you don't need to be sharing everything, not these days. Watch The Social Dilemma. It'll make you think about leaving social media and then you'll just open up Instagram and forget that you ever had a thought. Let's move on to the first exhibit. And by exhibit, I don't mean the host of MTV's Pimp My Ride. I mean an exhibition or a display, if you will. Jumping over to the left page, we see an exhibit that features torture devices. Several museum employees are being tortured. I'm not sure if they're security guards or if they're tour guides. Throughout the whole scene, they seem to be filling the role of both of those things. So there's some cross-training that's going on at this museum. Though I don't think torture victim is one of the areas that they're trained in. It's possible that these are bad employees, and this is how the museum reprimands them. You know, you were late to work, so now you have to spend an hour in the torture exhibit. Let's focus less on the why and focus more on the what. So this first employee that we have is locked in a stock. And if you don't know what a stock is, look it up yourself. No, a stock is a medieval restraint device that is meant to publicly shame the person who's inside of it. It's got a hole for your head and a hole on each side of that for your arms. And it's locked down with a padlock in this case. And here children are throwing tomatoes at this man. And he's very upset. He's very remorseful for whatever it was that he did. But the man next to him is having the time of his life. This man is in a different type of shackle. These are just restraining his feet. And on the other side, children are tickling those feet with a feather. So he's ticklish, which means that he's innocent, right? On the back wall of that exhibit, there are two older men who are shackled. One is shackled by his wrists, and the other is shackled by his ankles, the wrists of the legs. These men have long white beards, indicating that they've been there for quite some time, and they're very thin, they're emaciated. So I'd say... Maybe a couple more weeks and they'll be able just to slip those shackles right off. Moving over to the right, we have the next exhibit, which is a catapult. And this has been taken over by children. The catapult is cocked and ready to go. One of the kids is in the basket and another kid has a sword and he's getting ready to cut the rope. Which, if you know anything about physics or medieval weaponry you know that this kid is going to go flying across the room like a projectile. Now, there's one museum employee who's running towards this, trying to stop these kids from doing this. But like I said, one of those kids has a sword. And I think when a kid has a sword, the word stop does not apply. Just beside that exhibit, there is a camera on the floor, an unattended camera that somebody either dropped or left there intentionally. So I hope somebody takes that to the lost and found. And, though I don't know why they call it the lost and found. Nothing in there is found. It's all lost. So they should just call it the lost. Down at the bottom of the left page, there's another exhibit. And this one features a dinosaur. 
This is, I believe, a Stegosaurus. And there are three kids trying to ride this. It's not working because it's just bones. So it's crumbling to the ground. That's not the weirdest part. The weirdest part is that there are three cavemen in this exhibit. And we all know that cavemen and dinosaurs did not exist in the same time period. So that makes everything that exists in this museum questionable. But these aren't real cavemen, obviously. These are actors portraying cavemen. So it's possible that they just wandered over from a different exhibit because they wanted to hang out in this corner of the museum. It happens. Actors are wanderers. Moving over to the right, we are now at the middle of the page, and we have an Egyptian tomb exhibit. So there's all this sand everywhere, and we have a portion of a pyramid wall that has some drawings and hieroglyphics on it. There are some vases and urns. And we have the main focus of this exhibit, which is the golden sarcophagus, which I assume has a mummy inside. Though if I worked in a museum, I feel like I would frequently check the sarcophaguses to make sure that the mummies were still in them. Because you don't want to be chased by a mummy. Though I feel like maybe they're the easiest to get away from of all the universal pictures monsters. You could just push it down, run the other way. So brittle. If I had to go up against one of those monsters, I think I would pick the mummy. Or the wolfman on a day when he's not the wolf, and then you could just reason with him. Moving down to the lower right corner of the right page, we see another exhibit, and this one features two vehicles, the first of which is a chariot from Gladiator Times. And they have medieval times. They should have a restaurant called Gladiator Times as well. You know, franchise branch out. Then they could open one called New York Times. And that's just a bunch of snooty people sitting around bickering. Passive aggressively, of course. The next vehicle we have in this exhibit is an old car. This is a very early model. There's no roof on it. It has these big spoke tires. There's an awooga horn. There's only one bench seat that two people are sitting in. And there's smoke coming out of the tailpipe, which means that this thing's running. So I think these folks in the car are going to hijack it. I'm not sure if there was a key in the ignition or if they hotwired it, but I don't know how far they're gonna get because this is on an elevated platform. So I feel like as soon as they drive off, the whole car is just gonna fall apart. And people are watching this, they're standing all around. And one of those people is Waldo. Waldo also appears to have his arm around a very sexy lady, so congratulations to Waldo and that lady. Waldo's a catch. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. And thus ends our journey together. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Will Hines for playing Waldo. Will can be seen on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, among other things. He's also a regular guest on the Comedy Bang Bang podcast, and has several podcasts of his own, the most recent of which is called I Will Write Your Book. I also want to thank Steve Genty, and I've put a link to his music in the episode description. I highly recommend you check that out. Please rate and review this show on iTunes. Any aspect of the show you can review. Maybe you only like the theme song written by Chris Farron. Write a review about that. That's it for me. My name is what it is. I'll see you next time, and remember... If you are lost, there will always be somebody there to find you.